You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real pain. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PC Las Vegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. You're giving your life and you're preaching and, and people offend you. You know, people have, they'll just say something so flippant, and here's a pastor's wife like going, wow, you know, that hurts. I'm not going to let you know. Okay, praise the Lord. Or how about when ministers offend you? You ever had ministers offend you? Yeah. I had one offend me, and we're sitting down having coffee, and he's like, okay, so you're an evangelist, so why should I have you come to my church? I preach better than you. You know, why, why should I have you come to my church? What do you got? What are you bringing? I, I didn't have an answer for that. I thought about it. And I'm thinking, because here it is, my wife and I sold everything. We went to California. Been here 30 years. She left family and everything. We go there. We sold our business. And I'll go, I'll, I'll work a menial job. And then whatever support comes in, we'll go with it. And we, man, we couldn't we, we didn't qualify for food stamps. I mean, like, we were living in California on, like, $1,800 a, a month. California, you know, you're basically homeless at $1,800 a month. And so he says this. He kind of offends me, like, yeah, why should I have, you know, why? And so I didn't have an answer. But you know what? I looked at him. You don't have my work ethic. Just looking at you. You do not have my work ethic. You can't do what I do. You don't have my enthusiasm, but you don't have my testimony either. So to say you can preach better than me, glory to God, knock yourself out. But you don't have my testimony. We were designed, when I talked to my wife, when we talked to leaders, I go, we are designed to help them small churches. How much can just, we go and preach, we're just preaching one sermon, how much can that cost a little church? Well, babe, we went to Palmdale, it was a four and a half hour drive. We left here at 4 a.m. to get there and preach to help a baby church out. They had like 30 or 40 people, right? And so to help them out so it didn't have to pay a hotel room, we came back, just nine hours of driving, then get ready to go to work. So I could look at this guy, you don't have my work ethic. We ministered to a lot of baby churches. We went to one church I think had 40 or 50 people, nine people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Twice that happened. And so when this guy said this, I was like, oh, well, you know what I mean? And in those rough times, I tell you what, the only thing I've, where the rubber meets the road is, is our commitment and foundation. You know what I mean? When the times come, because when the bells and whistles go, when there's no bells and whistles and no angels and you know, like at night, and you know, you're praying sometime, and ten angels come into your room and sing to you, and you know, minister. No, that never happens. But. 
But when there's none of that, what do you have? You got your foundation and your commitment. It's the same thing in a marriage. When you're, you know, my wife would like, <laughs> she'd throw up her hands going, dear God in heaven, God, what, what was you thinking? Putting me with this guy. What was you thinking? God, I really think you had a, a, you had a mental episode or something. Or, so God, something went wrong with you when you put us together. Because he's like so different. <laughs> I heard a preacher, I, you know, it's neat. When you're saved 40 years, you've heard a million sermons, and he hears something different. The preacher said, he says, you know, when you're dating and, and doing all this, he goes, opposites attract. And then once you're together, opposites attack. Baby, you're not in this sermon anymore, baby. <laughs> but when the marriage comes at tough times, what do you have? You got your foundation and your commitment, right? And in church world, the divorce rate's the same as the world. People that aren't saved, divorce rate's 50%. Christians, divorce rate's 50%. That's not a good testimony on our part, right? And, and me and my wife, we've just been, <laughs> been through some hell. See, your foundation here, if you're newly and saved, I'm going to tell you this for a fact, that in one year, you'll build a good foundation. In one year, you'll hear basically every sermon that you need to live for God. In one year, you've, everything's built. Praying, reading, testifying, giving, everything is built in one year, and you have a good foundation. See, here it is. Just like concrete, when concrete is poured, basically there's a curing time, and construction, they'll wait 30, they can wait 30 to 45 days before they start building. 90% of that concrete strength is formed. 90%. The next, over the next few decades, that concrete gets stronger. But at 90% in, that, in those first a few weeks, you have 90% is ready to build. And I tell you what, where you're at right now, at a time and season in your life, and God's been building that foundation, depending on what you have done with the word of God, here's a foundation. How high, what can God start building? How high can he go? Do you think they pour the same foundation for a two-story house as a hundred-story uh, a building? Do you think they pour the same foundation? Probably not, huh? So if you want to go a hundred floors up, well, I tell you what, they're, they're, you got to have a foundation, amen. You're going to go through. You're going to go through ten floors of hell, ten years of hard times. You better have a foundation. Because there's some, there's some hard times living for God. Curing and strengthening of a Christian continues until the return of Christ or you die. God will continue to build on your foundation and to make you stronger. Just like concrete over the next decades. 90% done. Then 10%, it'll cure for decades of foundation. Can you believe it? 
But here it is. Nobody sees that, right? Nobody sees that foundation once they start building on it. Nobody sees how you live at home. I love this one policeman who felt convicted. And you know what? When they start talking to me, I had one, I had one guy talk to me like, he says, let me give you a scenario about this couple I know. <laughs> you know, and he starts laying it out, right? I go, okay. <laughs> but then this one police officer, he started going, and see, I'm still like the trainee, and he's like, you know what I mean? So it's hard for them even more to humble themselves because I'm a, they call me a police officer, but I'm a trainee. And so, but he's way up here, been on for years, had all this experience. He goes, you know, I feel bad when I cuss. Because, you know, it's not like, get in front of the vehicle now. No, they add a lot of other words to it. I can say that. But here it is. So they do like, he says, you know, I feel, he says, on Sundays, I speak different. He says, pastor came to me. <laughs> no, and, but this is a real moment for him because, I, you know, he, he doesn't go to a spirit-filled church, so it's, it's, it's tougher. If you don't go to a spirit-filled church, it's, it's going to be harder to live for God without the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I'm, con, I'm considering where he goes, blah, blah, blah. But, and I'm not saying a whole lot. I'm just letting him talk. So he, he says, well, the guy that would come up and give the Scripture, because these churches, you know, they're segmented out. You know, everything is, <laughs> man, when I was a Catholic, I thought my knees were going to go. I mean, I thought, you know, geez, man, I'm up, down, up, down. You know, let us at least turn around or something, you know, do something. But anyway, so the, he asked the uh, the preacher asked him, since this one guy was like 95 years old, like dying, he's like, you need to come up and, sh and give that scripture. He goes, okay. So he's been doing it. He goes, he goes, yeah, but the way I talk at work, and then I'm reading the scripture on Sundays. He goes, I, I kind of I feel bad. And I go, well, that's good. I says, what's really good is you're at least thinking about it. The people that go to church and can just live like the devil at home and, and it, they have no conviction, that's who you got to feel bad for. So I thought it was pretty cool. I was like, hi, he's feeling bad. This is good. This is good. Because Philippians 1.6 says, being confident in this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that song, that song lays it out. No matter what problem I have, you know, is that the paint keeps coming off. The only problem is my wife still thinks I'm covered with paint. <laughs> she goes, it ain't coming off fast enough, God. I want him to change just a little bit quicker. <laughs> it's, it's in God's timing, babe. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like that, it's like that patience thing. You know, you're praying for patience. God, I'm praying for patience, and I want it right now. It's about, you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> Boy, I got, can I ever tape you at home, baby doll? Can I, like, set the recorder and, what? Oh, oh man. I might be getting Taco Bell on the way home. I don't know if I'm getting any. <laughs> I don't know. She made a fresh pot of pasoli. I don't think I'm getting any of that. I think. Woo. Oh, no. She, uh, no, I know what she'll do. She'll just throw an extra peppers and chili stuff in it, you know. 
make it to where I don't like it. You know? No, because I get the basoli, I'm going like, whoa, baby, you hating me today? Glory to God. In the police academy, everything they were teaching us was a foundation. And they said, we only got six months to give you this foundation, but everything we have, and this foundation is going to be survival for life. Imagine what God is doing in the first six months, a year, or two years that you're saved. There's a lot going on. And then this is survival for life. Amen. I know I have, I can talk about 30, 40 years of hard times, but I smile and still got joy and victory. I got a peace that surpasses the world's understanding. Yeah, I'm going through hell. My marriage is going through hell. I'm going through hell in my job. But I, I have this peace and I'm smiling. I know everybody else, you know. I'm not smiling because I shot up heroin, <laughs> you know. No, I'm smiling because I got peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's what the Bible says I'm supposed to have. So they said this foundation is everything, so it's, it's everything so you can be for survival and to be effective. But what they said specifically warned everything you're being taught is a perishable skill. It is a perishable skill. Pastor preaches on prayer. Wow. My prayer life. Okay, pastor preaches on prayer. And then uh, it's like, whoa. And then what happened to it? Very perishable skill, isn't it? When he just preached on prayer and how important it is. And yeah, you got with the program, but now you're just blowing by it. Perishable. Probably that is, uh, is, it, is it Pastor Manchaka? Yeah, hang around, hang around Pastor Bobby Manchaka for a week. Yeah, you'll be fired up. But, and I was. Perishable skill. Perishable skill. See, perishable, definition of perishable is subject to decay, ruin, or destruction. Things that decay start to, you know, starts to whittle away. And so here it is. Everything that God is doing in your life, it's perishable. And that's why you got to wake up saying, you know what? I'm going to wake up. Saved and staying saved today. I'm, I'm going I'm to wake up this morning and, and, and get with the program and work out my own salvation. That dirty four-letter word, work. Oh, I'm getting to that. That's my pet peeve. Whew. See, you've heard that in crisis, people will rise to the occasion. Have you ever heard that? That's wrong. That's wrong. You will only rise to your training and your discipline. You won't rise to the occasion, but you will rise to your training and to your discipline. Only will a Christian rise in a time of crisis, you will only rise to your level of commitment and discipline. You won't rise above that. You can't. There's nothing there. There's no word in there. There's no conviction there. You're not going to rise to that challenge. This flesh does never rise to the occasion. Do you know that? 
That's why for years of my life, I have just felt like somebody who just keeps plowing. Just keeps plowing. No victory, no joy, going through hell, going through this trial, going through that trial, and I just keep plowing. You know what? Somebody goes out and plows, you know what they look like every day? They're dirty, they're tired. Ever been frustrated? At the worst times of my life, I just kept going to church, though. What if I would have stopped? Bro, you'd be preaching this morning. If I stopped, and all the hell that I was going through for years, because years wear on you. And if you don't have a foundation, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to crumble. Or sin will find you out. That's horrible, everything in Hollywood. The guy abused people for years. Really? Yes, sin does start to surface. If something starts to decay away, something's going to rise. I just keep plowing. Is that what you're doing right now? You know, you're out in this crowd. We're, 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 we're preaching. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you. What are you going through? Are you going to keep on plowing? You know? Oh, I struggle with pornography. I struggle with pornography. Okay, are you going to pray and get the victory of it? Or are you just going to give in someday and say, oh, I can't overcome it? Is that what you're going to say? Oh, I used to gamble, you know, on a payday. I go cash my check at the casino. And, and I just got to put $20 in. And that's just that temptation. I can't, I can't overcome that. I can't fight that. You can. Don't cash your check at the, at the casino. <laughs> if you struggle, don't do the casino buffet for $5.99. I remember when I drove a cab a long time ago, I, I picked up this guy, and he went to the Barbary Coast or somewhere and got a 99-cent breakfast. I go, how was that 99-cent breakfast? Well, my wife dropped $40 on a slot machine, so that 99-cent breakfast wasn't that cheap. <laughs> but I'm saying you can just give in and stop. Are you gonna, or are you going to plow through? When are you going to start plowing? Getting dirty, smelly, stinky, tired, frustrated. Because fighting the devil at times gets frustrating. Because it, it, it's a constant. And that plowing is just plowing and plowing. One of the worst times in my life. Oh, I can't go there yet. I'm not on page six. I'm going back to paper. I don't know about the iPad. I'm going back to paper. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, there was something in here about in, out in the world, you know, your flesh doesn't ride up, you fight sin. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, I urge you, for, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, present your body, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. How many real Christians care about that? Not just living for God, but well-pleasing to God. I mean, when I die and get to heaven or, I, you know, that God just says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. People say, well, I'm, I, I, I'm not living right and I don't feel right about going to church yet because I'm just not there. Hey, we're all not there. It didn't say perfect. I got to get cleaned up before I go to church. What an excuse. You just, you know, we're all, all like pigs. We like to jump in the slop. So you can't say, well, I, I need no, it's people that say that still want to stay in their sin. When you read about Pharaoh and Moses, what an idiot Pharaoh was. Moses comes to him, all these plagues are coming down, and so the frogs are everywhere. 
Frogs are everywhere, right? And so, well, let's get rid of this plague. And the Pharaoh says, no, just one more night. <laughs> if, if you had a thousand frogs in your house and they're just irritating, they're kind of gross and slimy, you know? I don't know, back in the day, you thought if you touched a frog, you'd get a warts or something. I, I don't know where that came from. I, I don't know. But wouldn't you want a thousand frogs if God says, I can take them all out right now? Wouldn't you say yes? Why would you want to spend one more night with the frogs? <laughs> well, help me understand. One more night with these slimy, stinky, you go to catch them and they jump away things? I mean, seriously. Glory to God. All right, that was Romans 12. Oh, Romans 8. Wow, that's a big one. Oh, you got to write Romans 8, 5 through 15. Wow. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds and the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. See, this Christianity goes way beyond. We're like, I went to church Sunday. Well, no, what's His will and purpose now? You know, let's don't forget that part. I went to church Sunday. You know, because back when we were religious, when we went to church on Sunday, didn't we feel kind of good? Like, hey, I did God a favor. I put in 48 minutes. Or 45. That was a great thing about being Catholic. I'm sorry. The service was 45 minutes. It was awesome. In and out. Because football was more important than serving God. How about those people when their team finally gets to the playoffs, they're missing church? Well, you really got to check yourself. Us Cowboys and Raider fans don't have to worry about that. I mean, seriously. We don't have, you know. Now, if you're a Patriot fan and you're not really saved altogether, well, man, you're missing a lot of church. <laughs> don't worry. Pastor Art's back next week, and so the goofy white guy, he like, I'll be at work. But, and in a practical sense, besides looking back over 30, 40 years or however long you've been saved, a lot of rough times, the practical side, I've lived week to week, paycheck to paycheck. Does that get old? <laughs> I mean, serious. Does that get old? 40 years, long time, paycheck to paycheck, week to week. What does the financial guru say? Just have $1,000 put away somewhere, so $1,000. Lord, help us. I'm lucky I got a pantry of food in it. I always thought that was amazing. We got a pantry. You know what a pantry is? Pantry's got, like, extra food. Growing up in the ghetto, we didn't have no pantries. <laughs> I mean, a pantry. It's like, wow, there's the extra Top Robin. Wow. Glory to God. I mean, there's 12 boxes of mac and cheese. This is victory. I got a pantry. Seriously. No, in the ghetto, there was no pantry. Don't know how to spell it. Don't know what it is. It was not in our house. We only had 600 square feet. But my brother, actually, he slept in the dresser. When he was born, it was like one, two, three, four. He was in drawer th number three. Seriously. He was like... You know, I, I, we didn't have a bassinet. My stepfather's an alcoholic, glory to God. Yeah, not really. But, yeah, he was in the, he was in the third drawer. Yeah, no, it's not like we shoved him in like, hey, where did little Joe go? <laughs> oh, open up the third drawer. There he is. 
raised poor. That's no problem. What, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was making 15000 a month. I was living paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck, my wife's gut was in knots. Making 15000 a month. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? My house payment was almost 7000 a month. See, your house payment, let me do the math for you. You, you go to get a loan to buy a house, you're supposed to be at the 30, 35% ratio, right? And that's what they'll look, give you a loan on. They'll look at all your bills and say, oh, okay, you can make this house payment because you're at 30, 35. You can't be at 50%. That's just stupid. But still, we were living week to week. So even though that was a couple of good years, we were still living week to week. Couldn't afford to go out and eat dinner. We went out and had dinner last night. Glory to God. Pounded down those nachos. I paid a price for that. Because, you know, we didn't eat all day. Then here come the big plate of nachos. And I'm like, okay, let's pound these down. Then I felt like, And then the pizza and salad was coming out. Yeah, white people eat weird. They just, they start with Mexican food. They go to Italian food. And then we had ice cream. It's like, man, no wonder you white people are all messed up. You just, like, don't know how to eat right. Stay with all Mexican and then, you know, give it a rest, you know, or something. We pounded down, yeah, Italian, Mexican food, it was all good. But paycheck to paycheck. Wow. But what bothers me on my job is I meet people that just don't work. I just, the Bible says if you don't work and provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. You're worse than a sinner. I mean, and we are so blessed in a town with a million jobs. I mean, paycheck to paycheck. So you know what it's like, brother. If you live in paycheck to paycheck, what do you do? Get extra hours. I told my boss I was a security guard making $15 an hour. I go, you give me every extra shift available, didn't I, babe? He would call me up. Can you, can you, can you be there in, in a half hour? And I was the only guy that could be dressed in a suit, standing post within a half hour anywhere in town. So I got all the extra hours I wanted. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Are you kidding me? $15 an hour? Whew. Worked a lot of hours. No sick days, no vacation, no nothing. He got sued. Cut me a check for four grand a couple months ago. Or was it a month ago? I thought that was pretty cool. We signed all these waivers. You might miss lunch. You might have to do 12 hours. You don't get this. You don't get We signed all these paperwork. Government stepped in and said, that's illegal. Glory to God. I had, I had fun with my wife. I walked into the office and, well, now first my boss said, you know, I called you in because uh, he goes to the Allstate office and, and he's an Allstate guy and he goes in to pay the bill. He could have gave the checks very big. I was going to give you the checks just in case you didn't want your wife to see him. Well, we don't live like that. You know, I never see my check now. What was, I don't see these checks. I don't, you know what I mean? I mean, my wife gets everything. Seriously, I might have $5 in my wallet. Threatened to take away my debit card. <laughs> no, she did. She told me, if you order one more thing on Amazon, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> Amazon, glory to God. I thought you going to Walmart used to be awesome. Amazon, man, got it going on. But no, he wrote me two checks, so I gave her one. One was like for $1,800 or something. I go, here you go, baby. She goes, oh, wow. And then I gave her the other one, and it was all, we just paid bills. Paid our tithes and paid bills. 
Yeah, you want to be blessed, you have to tithe. So. There's, there's no getting around that. Oh, back to working. We're counseling people. I'm looking at well-abled bodies. I'm looking at this, is this one guy, he's 6'1", good-looking, thin, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, you've got warrants here. He had warrants, and we're not taking him, you know, just, we're going to help you out, bro. You know, we can take him to jail, but no, we're going to, you got one, get a job 40 hours a week will change your life. Can you believe that? I tell the people all the time, 40 hours a week will change your life. You'll get the money, he'll pay your warrants off. His, his girlfriend went to jail because she beat him up. <laughs> the guy's like six, he's huge, man. He's like this, and, and the wife is like, like or girlfriend's like five foot. She, bah, 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 bah. It was on videotape. She was just, man, she wouldn't have went to jail, but it was on video. She's a, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Get a job and you won't stay home and get beat up. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, serious. Get a job. <laughs> to make extra money, do you have to humble yourself? I drove a cab 10 hours a day from 6 to 4 as a pizza hut from 5 to 10. So working 14, 15 hours a day and to pay my bills. Are you too good to do that? I'm not. Delivering pizza. I can make 500 a week delivering pizza right now. If I needed a job. I was working a morning shift on driving a cab. My tips were 40, 50. I go to deliver pizza. I made another 40. I said, that made sense to me. That made sense to me. You've got, you've got to work. You, you just got to work. And then when we're talking to this man, the other police officer says, yeah. He said, I had a wife and two kids. I'm working at Best Buy, and I'm tossing uh, review journal papers at 2 or 3 in the morning. It's called work. <laughs> Don't cry about extra needing this or, you know, paying your bills. Get a job. I averaged 58 to 64 hours a week working security, which was hideous. Get a job. Get a, you know, it's not good to work two jobs. Oh, well, do what you got to do. But lazy people are never called in the kingdom of God. Lazy people, people don't work, they got more problems. You, everything starts festering. If they had a job, nothing would be festering. <laughs> They'd be tired. Not, and it's not fun getting hard jobs. R.C. Willie delivering furniture. People know what I came, I, I was a zombie. I, I mean, seriously. I mean, 55 years old at that time, carrying furniture up three flights of stairs. I mean, my body was racked with pain and exhausted. But I kept going. I had responsibility. I had responsibility. I'm like Victor. Victor, you had your first job. You started working when you were when? Seven, eight years old. Yeah, my first job when I was 10 years old on the milk truck. Brutal. I, was t I had no muscles carrying these milk crates. About ripped my arms out. I had a job. And then I was a busboy at 13. And then going to high school, I opened up McDonald's at 4 a.m., 4 to 7 I cleaned McDonald's, got all the, cleaned all the grease vats and got all the milk and orange juice out, and then I went to school. I know, I know a kid right now, 19 years old, never had a job. I, help me understand. I, 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 don't under, I don't understand that. And they have no self-esteem. They're not building on their integrity. You know what I'm saying? 
And yeah, I've had the lowest of low jobs. I just kept working. I was the, I was the guy they sent into the, the apartments that were all blowing up. All the poop, all the blood. Send in Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, I was the first in. The place was destroyed. I'm bagging up everything. And then everything got painted Navajo white. Jesus, help us Navajo white. I don't know where they came up with that color, but everything I painted was Navajo white. If it was another color, it was going to be Navajo white. But we keep working. We keep plowing. Construction carrying the, what do they call, 6 by 12s the, 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 what do they call, 6 by 18s I don't know, the brick or something. I don't know. Hard jobs. We keep plowing. Paying my ties. Yeah, that was great. My wife and I, when we were making that big money, and we left this one church because it was falling apart. The guy says, we miss your tithe. Was our, our tithe was about 1,800 a month. That was our tithe on average, 1,800 a month. Because we gave above, we're tithing on our 15,000, which is, do the math, 1,500, but then we're giving above that, right? Giving offerings and stuff, so it averaged about 1,800 a month. Yeah, we miss your tithe. Yeah, glory to God. The church is dismantled. It built the 300 like in under three years. Leadership had responsibility and they just let it go. You know? Look at Pastor R. What do you think he does? He goes to work. Well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could have a full-time pastor? That would be nice. But he goes to work and has this. Now, you talk about hard. I did it for three and a half years, five years. I did it. But you talk about hard, and he's done it for 16? You have no idea. You have no idea the pressure. You have, you have no idea. That's why when, when, the, when Paul says, well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to Paul. I don't know where I'm at in the sermon. How much time do I got? Baby, did you push the button? Oh, man. Get a job. First Timothy 5.8. Worse than an infidel. Here's, here, here's the worst part of being saved. Here's, here's the worst part. I'm talking about times of season. You're in a time and season in your life right now. I don't know. But how about, Pastor Mary, are you listening? How about when you're doing everything right and everything's going wrong? Um, I'm being real now. You're doing everything right. You're tithing, and this happened. You're tithing, and this, oh, flat tiring. Tithing, this bill, and tithing, and the air conditioner fell apart. And you're, so let's get real here. You're doing everything right, and stuff's going wrong. You and the wife, I mean, you're, 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 you're praying, you're reading, and, and you're going to church, and you're faithful, and it's like, bah! What's going on? I'm doing everything right. Oh, it's just a thing. You know, attacks happen. You, you could be in a season in your life. You could be like Moses. How would it feel to have the call of God in your life and you're just out for 40 years in the desert working? You ever thought about that? Moses has a call of God. He had a call of God in his life, right, brother? 40 years. So if you're sitting here and you have the call of God in your life and yet you're in the desert... And we ponder that as a preachers. 
we ponder like, okay, he's in the desert for 40 years, but was God speaking like every day for 40 years? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want you to go back to, I want you to go back to Egypt. Let my people go. I don't know. What do you think, sis? What do you, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. Was it, was he should have done it after six months, you know, take a little six months off, go back a year, five years. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? He's like, he's working, he's doing everything right, but there's a call of God. I tell you, we can be saved and still have little rebellious streaks in us. Can't we? That can happen. You see, why is, why, I'm seemingly doing everything right, but, uh, but things are going wrong. Well, God's fine-tuning some areas you're not letting go of yet. You know, I don't know, it's there somewhere. And if God can't find it, my wife sure can. Why? God, I will help you out. Here's, you, if you don't see this problem, let me, God, come here. Here it is. It's right there, 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 there. I like, I, God, I will help you out. <laughs> That's why some people hate going, Yeah, but babe, I just, no, I was just saying, you're helping God out. You're helping him out. You're like, God, let me help you out. No, people are afraid to church. Yeah, yeah, we're going to shut this down, yeah. No, you know, people are afraid to go to church because people are going to like, let me help you out. Says, you got this, this, and this wrong. You, you ever seen that, you know? Like, oh, yeah, you got this problem, you got this problem. Well, if you have that problem, that problem, they got, probably got 20 more problems than you. <laughs> Religious people, whoa, kiss of death. Well, I want the paper. This is page five. Hmm. And there's eight pages, but we'll stop there. But what I love, here's the children of Israel. And in Jeremiah 29, they're in exile. And they're in exile on their own mess up. They got taken captive on their own mess up. But you know what? Even in their own mess up, that's what we're preaching. Definitely forgiveness, the plan of God. Because God tells them in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're in exile. You know what I mean? They're in exile because they messed up. That kind of makes me feel good. Okay, I'm in the time and season because I really messed up. But you know what? God says that he has a plan for me. Forget everything else about the sermon. Just remember this part. Man, I've messed up so much. And that's a sad thing. I can say I've been saved and lived for God. And in the last 40 years, I can think of all my mess ups. I don't know if the devil sits next to me and says, okay, 40 years, let's go over this. Yeah, you mess this up, mess this up. Because I was pastoring a church in 1989, 87, and in 1990, getting divorced and losing my church. Not hard. Talk about I'm the ultimate failure. Wow. There's, there was no feeling than that. Let me tell you right now. Losing my three children. <laughs> Did I fail everybody? Seriously. Did I fail everybody? Pastor church, I got fire, I got passion, and yet getting divorced and losing everything. And yet, Jeremiah 29, God would say, I have a plan for you. <laughs> he had to have a plan or somebody else be preaching this morning. I have a plan for you. And a plan to bless you. Read it, Jeremiah 29, 11 or something. Exile, I, I screwed everything up. And God 
God says he has a plan for you. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close in prayer. Every head bowed and every head closed. We just want to give a, a moment of an altar call.